This is Tom Williams, and you're listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. My special guest, the star of P.T. Barnum, is Gene Weigand. Hello, Gene. Hi, Tom. Did I, I say your name right? You absolutely did. Oh, absolutely thank God. I hate did. when I get a name yeah, wrong. And not everybody does. People trip over that W name. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> and, and everyone has a different interpretation, but everybody loves you. Uh, Tell us about Barnum. I mean, you have the starring role. You're on stage almost the entire show. It's a high-energy piece, and you are perfect for the role. Well, thank you. You know, it's a, it's an awful lot of fun. It's a show that's not done very often, but it has it has an awful lot to uh, recommend it, including a really, really wonderful Cy Coleman score uh, that contains just some some great songs, and if you and and just I think a, a testament to the to how good the music is uh, in the 80s and 90s those were there were so many of these songs that were just absolute standby audition pieces for so many people in the business they well, that's where i've heard a lot of those my songs. yeah my my in fact my agent told me when we started talking about it he sang two of the songs for me <laughs> over the telephone and i went okay sam that's fine but uh but it's got it's got that going for it it's a fascinating story about uh, an american icon pt barnum and it tells the you know kind of the wikipedia version frankly of his life and and what he did how he got into the entertainment business how he got out how he came back to it he was much more than a circus man right he only became a circus oh man abs- really at the end of it absolutely and di- and in, as it shows in our play he uh uh Sort of fought against it. He he. It took Mr. Bailey quite some time to con- convince him to uh, be- make it the Barnum and Bailey uh, circus. So there's that fascinating element about his life. And and then I th- I think the the best part of the show is all the circus stuff that is involved in this. And we have some wonderful wonderful performers in the ensemble. Uh, we all worked with Sylvia Hernandez de Stasi at the Actors Gym in Evanston, and she's just wonderful. She was actually in the Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Circus as part of the Hernandez troupe. That's right. You can yeah. see her online doing teeterboard, flipping up in the air backwards, landing on the shoulders of three guys. She's just amazing. She's she does all that stuff for Looking Glass, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she's a wonderful teacher. And uh, we have a couple of kids in the show who have been involved with her school for a number of years. One guy who actually teaches there. Uh, and some of the things that these kids do are just amazing. And they're completely delightful and fun. And, and, and on, a, on a relatively small stage, too. It is indeed. Yeah. It, 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 it's really packed in here. It's kind of a, more like a one-ring circus where we're doing it. But it, it lends such a terrific intimacy to a show like this. Mm-hmm. Because P.T. Barnum speaks to the audience. He breaks the, <clears throat> pardon me, breaks the fourth wall and talks directly to people from time to time. And that just makes it so much more fun. On opening day, me. somebody threw you... We had a kid in the audience, and I'm taking a guess, eight or ten years old, and and you know how kids that age are, and he was kind of sitting there with his arms crossed and a very skeptical look on his face, and I and I asked him a, a rhetorical question. It's the question I ask every night of the audience, you know, and uh, so oh, you don't see these several imaginary things I've just mentioned, do you? And he said, no, I don't. <laughs> he answered. <laughs> and of course, the place was up for grabs, yeah. but we, but from that, that was the perfect mood for, oh, yeah. the, for the show. It just set the most perfect tone for the evening. Well, you, you know, you're the kind of actor who, <clears throat> you have that charisma when you walk on stage and you get the big smile going. 
people love you instantly. But to have an incident like that, and and for the way you reacted, now you got them forever. Well, you know, you have you you have to love audiences, people that come out and see the theater and support the theater and support what we do, and people who are affected by it. And and in virtually any theater that you do, the audience is the other is always the other element the other character or however you care to phrase it but it's it's an absolute two-way street it's not television right and a lot it's of people don't realize street. how much you you guys on stage play off or get in or get energy from the audience oh absolutely you absolutely do and on the nights you know sometimes the weather's bad or what what have you kinds of, kinds of things and there is a group dynamic and sometimes audiences just are a little quieter uh, sometimes they're crazy and raucous and they talk back to you you never know exactly what you're going to get but it always affects the character of the show and especially a show like like this one they're, they they make such a huge difference if they're uh, a little bit more responsive. Well, we all have a little bit more fun. How how are the audiences been here at the Merck? Just great, yeah. just de just delightful, and and audiences of all ages. We have little kids that come and and love it. And uh, one of the fellows in the show uh, had his family here the other night, and his grandma was here. And uh, I met her afterwards, and she said, "Oh, you're cool. You're very <laughs> cool." And I, that just tickled me no end. Uh, so we're just having a ball with the audiences. So people tell us about the show now. A little, I, I know a lot of people don't realize that, that Barnum was from the 1830s to to the 18 or late early 1890s. Yeah, he lived so in the middle of 19th century. A lot of people think of him as a 20th century person. Not at all, and re and lived through a remarkable period of time. I mean, the the first one that struck me was that he lived through the Civil War. That's true. And yeah. saw the emancipation of slaves, and uh, believe came to believe quite strongly in emancipation. Uh, he saw the the beginnings of the women's rights movement, and came to believe very strongly in women's rights in universal suffrage. He was way uh, ahead of his time. Oh my lord! By even by today's standards, yeah. he was a a progressive. There, there's nothing conservative about him in in the least. He he believed in the equality of people, and he believed very strongly in the ideal of the United States. He became a politician eventually with some success uh, and uh, at least in our telling I don't know a lot more about him but in our telling uh, I, th I think he was the best kind of dreamer he saw the the best yeah and worst in the world and felt like it was his job to bring a little bit more of the best and he did it with tell us about his humbug philosophy because that's kind of the key to well, to him, I think. I, I, yeah, I think it is sort of a key to him. He he uses the word humbug to to sort of describe all the tricks and things that he pulls, and certainly some of the attractions that were in his museum or that he brought to uh, his shows were were fraudulent and silly and that sort of thing. But on the other hand, if you if you look at the way he thought of, uh, say. Uh, Tom Thumb, who actually was 25 inches tall, was, grown, that, that grown was, man, 25 inches. Wow. Uh, though he started as he started with uh, Barnum as, I guess, a 12, 13 year old boy who was, took, went away from his family. Uh, and some of the other odd characters, Anne Swan, who was an eight and a half foot tall woman, and uh, uh, 
some of those people, he really genuinely didn't see them as freaks. He saw them as special and that, and that they had very special gifts. And, and you think particularly in those times, what would have become of a 25-inch tall man once his parents passed away? Yeah. What would he have done? How would he have survived? Yeah, there was no social network, so none at all. And he treated those people rather well. He treated he? them very well. Tom Thumb uh, met the crowned heads of Europe, became enormously popular, and uh, married, uh, and had a wonderful, rich, full life. It's hard to believe that he would have had that were it not for Barnum offering him those opportunities. And I'm sure that was the case for a lot of people that that worked with him. And in your story, you you. You talk about, and you have Barnum's wife. Tell us about her. Corey is terrific. Bar- oh, gosh. Isn't, isn't Corey Gerders just she the best? She is fabulous. Oh, my yeah. God. She's just wonderful, and she's just a delightful person and a wonderful singer. Um, his wife was, was much more straight-laced than he. Um, he refers to her as being a, a hard-headed, cold-eyed, tough-talking Connecticut Yankee, and it was... Uh, True about her, but it, but isn't that often often the case among spouses? That, yeah, uh, but she was a attract. she was a, a progressive woman of her time. Oh, too. absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and and was very involved in the women's movement, and and of course was uh, the one who opened his eyes to the to the women's movement and to uh, what they might do and what they might accomplish and how they might do it. And they had a lifelong marriage. Two two headstrong people had a lifelong. Yin and Yang, but they they loved one another. Absolutely, but but as I say, isn't that isn't that the case for a lot of us? If you if you are fortunate enough as I am to be involved in a long marriage, you you learn about the the opposites in that in that other person, and if you're lucky, you come to you come to appreciate what they bring to the game because you don't have it, <laughs> and the fact that they that each one carries their own weight, is not Abs- afraid to stand up. I think that helps a marriage, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I think it does. It certainly does in my lucky case. <laughs> and it obviously did, I think, for Cherry and uh, and P.T. Barnum. Uh, they, they really needed what the other one brought to that relationship. So on one level, Barnum is kind of a love story because there's a lot of interaction between between you and, and, and Cherry. Oh. Oh, absolutely! Absolutely, it's a it's a love story, uh, and you know he goes away from her for a long period of time, and there's some conjecture as to whether it was an affair with Jenny Lind or or whether they he just went off to Europe as with that tour and and Jenny Lind uh, because of the business, uh, but came back to his wife, and they they had that sort of understanding and a very. Uh, uh, modern sort of marriage two centuries ago. But you guys leave it, you don't play it quite, that, that he was a philanderer, really. You leave it, a little doubt, don't you? Ex- exactly. At least that's what I got I, I think there, I think there is, a, is a little doubt in the, uh, in, the way we've, in the way we play it. And uh, Summer is so, Summer Smart is just so wonderful. Oh, and she's, so she's an, uh, I mean, the cast brilliant. in the show is everybody's brilliant yeah she's she's just great and she's so funny and um so cold when she breaks up with him yeah uh you know and he forces her to do it he doesn't have courage enough to do it himself 
Uh, but you know, you can tell that she gets a kick out of the attention and out, out of the attention of all the gentlemen that she sees. And I don't think that necessarily uh, means anything other than she strings them all along equally. Yeah, that's kind of what with I got equal out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she has grown so much as a, as an actor. We know her; she's a terrific singer and a dancer. She's you know done some great roles, but I think her acting has really, really improved over the years. Well, it's it's fun to see her be allowed to do some different roles and see the different roles that come to you as you age. I met her doing Wicked back in, it must have been 2006 or 7 uh, when we did Wicked together and, and she played Nessa Rose and, and she is such a lovely person but it was great to see her be the evil wicked witch of the east and why is it you guys all want to play evil why why are they the most fun characters you know what it's more fun and it used when i was a very young man very young actor the the juvenile roles just weren't weren't as much fun they tend to be uh those people tend to be naifs they uh often have less not always but it, it, the the roles that i played the the material just wasn't as interesting and exciting they don't learn anything and i've i've discovered later in my life uh, as i've come to play uh older characters and stopped playing the started to play the pantalone you know if you mm-hmm. think of it in terms of the of the commedia dell'art uh and I always I grew up doing the opposite, but it's no fun to be the fool if you don't learn anything by the end of the night. That's it's true. not as much fun to be in the play, frankly. Okay. There's there's something about it for me, uh, and I played a couple of characters in in recent years who learned nothing through the course of the play, and it is really distasteful to come home at the end of the night without having learned anything. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so, tell us, now Wicked is playing. I always got to throw a little commercial in because at the Mercury Theater, you, you play what? Wednesday through Sunday? Wednesday through Sunday, Sunday. we're here. Uh, what are your matinees? Uh, matinees are Thursday, Thursday. Saturday, Thursday. and Sunday, always at 2 o'clock. Uh, the Evening performances during the week are at 7.30, Friday and Saturday. They're at 8 o'clock. Uh, and, of course, you can find the Mercury Theater. on. The, they have a website, and you can find yeah, tickets. It's on Southport there. Avenue, yeah. And it's a wonderful, what a great neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There Terrific are just restaurants. It's a, so many other wonderful things to do. There's shopping nearby and just great restaurants. And Cullen's right next door door is a terrific place and it's really a family cullen's is a family place too you can take it's i know it looks like a bar from the outside and there is a bar there and it is a bar but it's a great restaurant and it's a great family place you can bring your kids there and have hamburgers and french fries and so tell us now how you prepared for this uh this i know i know uh, walter did walter stern did such a terrific job casting didn't he though directing well yeah but i i did there were a couple of things for me one of the great challenges for me is the physical challenge of this show of doing just do having the stamina and the strength to do all the things that he does and you're virtually on on stage the entire show aren't you pretty much i'm i'm not there for uh for tom thumb's number that's right and uh but pretty much everything else i'm 
I'm there. And there's just, there's a lot of climbing and jumping and there's hanging from the Lyra and standing on Jeremy's, poor Jeremy's shoulders. And yeah, that's a breathtaking scene at the end of Act One. It's, yeah. it, from time to time, it takes my breath away too. <laughs> Tell us how you did, did it, because I understand you, you didn't rehearse that, you just kind of threw that in or No, what? we tried a lot of things okay. up at the actor's uh, gym. I learned to do, and they have a padded floor there and rigging to to uh, spot you so that you don't fall. Uh, and I learned stilt walking. I learned Spanish web, you know, which is spinning on the rope, hanging from the ceiling. I learned rope climbing. I learned balancing on the ball. I learned stilt walking. And For the thought of just being in the show or just because you wanted to experience what everyone else I've, I didn't know what they might want me to do in, in other productions. Wow, they, so that you really had to work on Barnum does a lot of things. Uh, and uh, What else did I do? Uh, uh, unicycle and uh, lots more juggling than I actually do in the show. I, I don't know exactly why we chose to never use them. That wasn't my decision. And then at the last But you minute, run the respect of the actors i talked to several actors in the show who said yeah gene was there he says we you know we know we had to do these different things but he was game to try anything and oh that, absolutely but that I, really won the respect i don't know if you ever heard that but i didn't but no, that's, that's true that's, that's sweet that's yeah. very sweet but i looked forward to it i i you know they, they could add another scene as far as i'm concerned with me doing circus tricks because I'm, <laughs> I'm so proud of having been able to learn all, all that and other stuff. than as you said a couple of people in the cast many of the actors had no experience Oh, none. Uh, I know Kevin McKillop didn't, and uh, Christian Avenatti told me. Well, Kevin comes to it with some juggling, some really fancy juggling background. But uh, Ryan, for example, uh, had none none of this. He's a musician and an actor, but he's learned to walk on stilts. He's learned juggling. He's learned unicycling, and he's great at it. Yeah. He's become wonderful. I didn't know that until at the reception when they were telling me that, yeah. Well, that's good. That's so that you talk about learning something from doing a performance, huh? <laughs> well, there, there's that. Um, I, I guess I meant more in terms of, you know, that's sort of the definition of a, a fool. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, the, I'm theater, playing with you they, on that right, a little that They bit. don't learn anything. Uh, and, and this play is sort of, is Barnum reminiscing about his life looking at his life and that opens up a lot of avenues to us uh in terms of how we we play it you know when when you you can fudge a few things because it's his memory this is how i remember well memory plays are our memory plays exactly and our mind works you know we've seen that in a lot of dramatic shows yeah but the, uh, the orchestra, Eugene did a terrific job. The aren't they, aren't yeah. they great? And it's a wonderful combination. I, I love the, the particular elements that we have. Uh, the Anthony, who plays woodwinds for us, plays flute, and the piccolo is so is so wonderful. And we have uh, a beaut- you know you would you wouldn't necessarily expect it in a circus band, but we have cello, and of course you would expect the the trombone and you know the brass instruments and and percussion, of course. Uh, but they just make such a great, wonderful sound, and it, it's only yeah, half that, a dozen people. But it's got a big sound. And, yeah, and, yeah. And it's got that circus feel to it, and uh, and the, the sort of ragtime Dixie exactly. kind of feel. It's, it's largely music of the period or, or cir- stuff with a circus feel. Well, Cy Coleman was Oh, terrific. my goodness. Yeah. I mean, Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. this is top drawer. Cy Coleman wrote a couple of things. Yeah, just a couple of hits. Yeah. So let's talk about your career. Oh, goodness. A lot of people associate you with Wicked. 
you had a nice run at Wicket. We did. It was such a such a wonderful surprise and a wonderful experience to do Wicked. It was on so many levels for me. It, and I'll, I'll I'll try and tell you about it. I was so surprised to book the job in the first place. I had I, I hadn't seen Wicked. I didn't know much about it, and. Uh, Again, I think it was a role that was just particularly well yeah. suited. It was. It, when to I me. read you got cast, and I said that he's perfect for it. And and I didn't. I've never been a particular fan of the Wizard of Oz story or the or the film. I like it okay, but not in that in the way that many people do. But uh, what I I found two things about Wicked that that really really struck me, and and one was how much and how strongly people were affected by that show, how much they loved it. And to be a part of that and to see that response and to hear it, when the two girls come out at bows, the audience invariably leaps to their feet because they come out together and you feel the concussion in your chest of that cheer. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I, I saw it opening night in Chicago. I didn't realize that till I came back to see it again, I don't know, six months or a year later when there was some new cast members in the show. Mm-hmm. And I saw the little girls with the green faces, and the, the lady sitting next to me said, yeah, this is, she was in her 40s. She said, yeah, this is my ninth time I've seen it. We talked. We met people incredible. in the we met people in the alley at the stage door who had seen it 45, 50 times, and that was several years ago who knows what number they're at now and people who paid full boat to see it that many times not those $25 in the front row seats but the other then the other as I say being part of a show like that is just such a an immense and rare gift for most of us you know if you're Patty LuPone okay that's a different story but for a, a, a a regional actor such as myself that's just an immense gift that doesn't come along very often and it took me a little while to get with the program, but I met so many people because of it. And people still, even though I haven't done it for a couple of years, um, people still speak speak to me about it, or or I'll meet someone somewhere. And and I've met people out of the outside the country in other cities, and they'll look at me and go. Excuse me, aren't you the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> oh my God, here we go again. You did it in New York too, didn't you? I did it yeah. briefly in yeah. New York. Uh, ben Vereen and I traded places for a while, uh, and I did the tour for a, for a little bit, uh, and that was great fun. Just I got to see some other terrific cities and work with some other kids, and now I have this immense network of Wicked friends, people who have worked in Wicked, been through Wicked, worked in the various tours, and, and all So like I have a feeling if the phone rang and you were available, I have a feeling you'd go back oh, and I'd do be it there in, I'd be there in a heartbeat. It, it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful show, and uh, the producers are terrific, you know, and everybody, I mean, you, you get to work with, I spent an hour working with Stephen Schwartz. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> working on his music. Come on. How, how many times do you get to do that? And uh, the people in the in the pit. Every everybody is just the at the absolute pinnacle. And it was of a boom for Chicago actors. Oh, oh my! So many of our top people. I was so proud. That's why I had to go back and and you know see it again with. Well, and I'll tell you the. I think a lot of other producers are beginning to figure out that there's a talent pool here. And amen. And, uh, David Stone helped them 
find out that there is a talent pool here and that you can come to Chicago and work and find good talent. And I, I think there was a, a sense in the rest of the country that, that <clears throat> they didn't think about Chicago. You thought, they thought about New York and Los Angeles, and that was it. But uh, they, did a, they did an immense uh, job of, of uh, making people aware and making them think that they can come here and hire Chicago actors. Well, many times when they do a sit-down show, whether it be Wicked or Billy Elliot or now Book of Mormon, they they, they start discovering Chicago actors. Right. They start yeah. they'll, and, they'll and start they, looking here when they need replacements or if they're going to send out a tour later or something. Uh, they start to see Chicago people, and as I said, and Wicked, I think, uh, really turned over a huge stone for uh, Chicago talent. Well, you see, I'm sure you're proud of that. Oh, ab so ab tell us about Big. That's a role that, that you. You initiated uh, one of the roles in I did and on was, Broadway, right? Big was in on Broadway, exactly. And uh, you know, there there was little me at the Schubert Theater all of a sudden working with Susan Stroman and who's in town right now yeah. doing Big Fish, uh, and Mike Ockrent and Paul Gemignani. My goodness, these are the some of the biggest names on Broadway and and there's little again there's me uh, I was kind of overwhelmed by the by the whole experience and fascinating process John Weidman is uh, and I remain in touch once in a while and I've seen him at a couple of auditions he's a wonderful writer uh, and and has written so many terrific things over the years yes, my he goodness, has. contact and 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 uh, uh, Pacific overtures and on and on and on yeah. it, it goes the things that that he's done and so working working with that caliber of of uh, people in the business is a remarkable experience and it's not to denigrate anyone at all in Chicago but it's a it's a quite different experience it really is and the there there is uh, a, a different standard that is set for how hard you will work, how much you will work, how long you will work, and how long and hard everybody will work. Well, the stakes are quite high at that stakes, level. Yeah. The stakes yeah. are enormous. At the time when Big was produced, $11 million was the, was the biggest amount of money anyone had ever spent as the initial cost of a Broadway musical. Now that's, that's almost standard, it seems. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it... It was quite a remarkable experience. But you also have some experience in TV and film. Tell us about that. A little, I have a little bit of experience in television and, and film, and some of the, though some of the best of it has been here in Chicago. Uh, I, I had a really terrific role on Boss. Kelsey Grammer was just an absolute delight to work Everybody with. Everybody tells me. John Mahoney told me that, too. He was, he was just absolutely great. And I didn't know what to expect. You know, he's worked in television for a long, long time, and it was his show, and, and you wouldn't be surprised if he had very little patience for yeah. scale players such as myself. But he was just great, and I worked with Patrick Swayze, you know, on mm -hmm. The Beast, and he was another terrific guy. I'll tell you a quick story. He, he in, in The Beast, he was obliged to threaten me with a pistol, and he and the as we rehearsed it, he could tell I was terrified. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about guns, and I'm frightened of them. That's a good good thing to have. <laughs> I think yeah, so. Yeah. And but he could tell, and he was obviously very familiar with with weaponry and all that sort of thing. He's from Texas, yeah. and he said, "Listen, we're going to break this gun down 
for every setup. He, he called the gun wrangler over. So we're going to break this gun down and show it to you and show you that there's nothing in it. Because I had told him the story. Someone had gotten killed on a set not too many years distant uh, using a blank gun. They'd put the blank gun to their head or someone's head, and just the concussion was enough to kill oh, them. Yeah. Uh, but he was another one who was just an absolute gentleman. But I've but I've had some some great experiences working on Murphy Brown. Candace Bergen was just Boy, that was a great show. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh gosh, wasn't she? Yeah. Was just the absolute best. And uh, being on Home Improvement before Pam Anderson was quite Pam Anderson. She mm -hmm. came the first day I was there. She came into her dress into my dressing room and introduced herself. She's in blue jeans and a white T-shirt, and. Uh, can I? I'm going to tell you this story because I like it. Okay. Because this is Pam Anderson just before she was Pam Anderson, and she walked into my dressing room the first day on set, uh, the first day that I was there on the on the Disney lot. She's wearing a big kind of oversized T-shirt and blue jeans and no shoes, and she introduces herself and suddenly pulls her arms inside the T-shirt. You know how kids do. <laughs> yeah. And I. And we're talking and chatting and la di da di da and she's just being very nice and pleasant and how you doing, who are you, where are you from, that sort of thing. The next thing I know, she, she's taking her brassiere off and pulls it out, and she's just standing there chatting. It's sort of a, you wouldn't be surprised backstage to see people in all sorts of stages of dress That's and undress. True. But that one was kind of a a shocker. But she was, and she was just as nice as pie. She she couldn't have been a lovelier person if she tried. So I've had some I've had some fun experiences yeah, in television those, those and are, film. Those yeah. are fun. all right. One of the last questions I have for you: Is there a role or a couple of roles that you're dying to do that you haven't done yet? I, it's a standard question. I it it is. I know, and and I. It's one of those things that I keep thinking I should come up with an answer for. But I honestly don't have it. I'm I I've been so blessed and so lucky in my life to to be able to just see what comes along and what comes next. For me, mostly it's it it has to do with the people with whom I get to work, and I go. I tend to think of it as, gee, I really hope I can work with Summer Smart again. Gee, I really hope I can work with. Corey Goodrich again. Gee, I hope I can work with the Rachel Rockwells and and she's uh, coming to town too soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 those people uh, again. Gee, I hope I can work on a project with John Weidman somewhere down the line. Gee, I'd I, I'd like to do. You know, that's a great answer. And, and all the interviews I've done through the years, no one has come up with that answer. Really, and that makes such good sense. So it's it's a it, a lot of it is who you're working with. Oh, abs absolutely, it is. That's that's the that's the gift of it all. The the friends you make in the in the business. You know, I met Rondi Reed, for example, when oh, we yeah. were college students, and and all those Steppenwolf people were, were at university with me. And I've I've known Rondi now. I mean, since we graduated from college, gosh, it's been almost five years. I'm sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. that's that's such a wonderful thing and wonderful gift to have those people in your life and to be able to see their see their success, to see Rondi on on television every every Monday night, or to see Judith Ivy on Broadway again. And you're the great example of Chicago actors because that's the attitude here. We all you guys all cheer for one another. You may compete with one another in an audition, but once you get the role, you guys are also supportive of each other. Absolutely. It's a Chicago is a very uh unique 
town, I, I think, in, in that regard. Uh, and, and maybe it's because in New York and Los Angeles, it, it, there's so much more money involved that it, it can get to be cutthroat. It can really, really change your life in a serious way in an instant. Yeah, that's true. Chicago theater is probably not going to do that for you. It'll change your life. But it's not. You're not going to suddenly be riding in a hell in your own personal helicopter as a result of something that you've done in Chicago. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, you can make a living, but it's you can't make a killing, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a very. That's a. That's a great one. I have to. Well, that's that. a. That's a great answer. And and keep up the good work. Thanks. The Tom. show runs all the way into June, right? June 16th, right okay. now. There's possible they'll run a little longer, but right now to June 16th. And We're having a lot of fun, and like I say, bring the kids. Yeah, and the, the the buzz on this show, folks, is terrific. It's, I said it's one of the best shows of the year, and and I have a feeling the Jeff Committee is going to like you too and like the show. Well, we certainly we certainly hope so. They're they're so great. To you do have out. tell you do have three Jeffs, don't you? I do. I I have been. Tell us from what shows. Uh, I was given Jeff awards for Little Shop of Horrors uh, that we did at the Candlelight and opened mm-hmm. the Royal George Theater. Uh, and just a wonderful, wonderful yeah. show that Bill Polinsky directed, and uh, with Hollis Resnick and and some other just wonderful uh, people. Aura Jones was in that show with us, uh, and uh, me and my girl out at the Marriott. Oh, I love that! I, oh, yeah, what I a silly, it. wonderful, Beautiful. fun, fun show with Mary Ernster and the terrific Joe Leonardo directed that. We just had such a ball. It's just such a, a delightful. Uh, Piece and I'm tap dancing to remember the third one. I have no idea, but I'm sure. But I'm sure it was for some wonderful <laughs> show that I that I did. I wish I knew. You know, I should have been prepared. You'll have to look third. at the. We'll you'll have to it. look at the program. Look, look but, it up. Look it up on the uh, on the internet. But he has three, and I have a feeling you you, you might need to move a little space over for another one. For well, that's, that's very that's very kind of. That's I don't mean to jinx you, but no, I have a pretty good batting average. I'm picking those. That's very that's very kind of you. I'm, and uh, you know, you'll have to come out and see our show and read the program. I'm sure that I wrote it in my bio when I turned it in, and you can find out what that third okay, award is for. <laughs> Thanks, Gene. This has been wonderful. And folks, go see a play this week, and thanks for listening. 